Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Verse number eight. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that is, that now is, and of that which is to come. God's promise of eternal life to all those who place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what he's referencing to. Go over to Ephesians chapter number three. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Paul, Timothy, you and I, we are called to carry out the gospel. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. You're not going to find life anywhere else. Not going to find it in a bottle. You're not going to find it in religion. You're not going to find it in Muhammad and in Buddha, in any good works, in the money that you make. Eternal life is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. It's only in him. Verse number two. The Bible says to Timothy, who's Paul writing to? Timothy, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But it's important to note, we're looking at 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. But this is intended church-wide for the church to be able to read and glean truth from this. And then he says, my dearly beloved son. Beloved. That means Dearly, dearly loved. I hope we have that. If not one to another, maybe mother and father to children. But he had not only love, but it shows his respect. One who would be called his son. You know what a boy wants growing up? He wants to know that his father calls him son. There's nothing more dear and there's nothing more beloved than to have a little girl or a little boy and have his father say, hey, son, great job. I really love you. Hey, daughter, nice work. That was great. Why? It, it, it shows that they're loved. And it shows, believe it or not, respect. You respect them so much that you're my son, you're my daughter. Respect goes both ways, by the way. It does. Romans chapter 1, Paul says, all saints are beloved of God. All who bear the name of Christ, it is the privilege of all Christians. And by the way, saints... Refer to living people, not dead people. If you've trusted Christ, you're a saint. You're a saint. Then the Bible says in verse number two, grace, mercy, and peace 
from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Why are we loved by God? Because of his mercy. What is the cause of God's grace? God's mercy. He's a merciful God. Verse number three. Look what the Bible says. I thank God. That's a good place to start. Kids, did you wake up this morning? Thank God. Were you able to drive here and not get to an accident? Thank God. Were you able to fly on the plane, get off in a commitment flight, and then fly on the plane and get to your destination? And then come back home on one plane, get a connecting flight in Atlanta, which is hell on earth, and then get another plane back? And she'll be alive. Thank God. We don't start our day off with thank God enough. We don't start our Sunday morning with thank God enough. We don't start our morning breakfast with our kids. Thank God enough. Why are we miserable? Why are we a mess? Why is it never good enough? Why are we fighting and fussing? Because we don't thank God. We love ourselves and what we want and what we have to have and our circumstances. Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness amen? Is that true? Is that not true? Or is it just true for me? The church ain't big enough. Thank God someone's here. The church ain't small enough. Thank God there's enough people here to do stuff. Thank God. Thank God. I keep inviting people and they don't come. Thank God for the people that are here. I keep inviting people. The ones that do come cause trouble. Thank God that there's some here that don't cause trouble. We don't thank God enough. We don't. Let's do that. Let's thank God. Now look what the Bible says. Whom I serve. From my forefathers. With a pure conscience. It's the same God that. The patriarch, sir, it's the same. He hasn't changed. What God do you serve? Kids, you're going to grow up and you're going to have to decide, am I going to serve the God that my forefathers served? It's going to be your choice. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to love? And how are you going to do that? Is it going to be with a pure conscience? Your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your actions, are they pure? Or is it just one big annoyance, one big act, one big, I'm going to show people that I'm into it, but I'm not into it. That's not a pure conscience. Or the, I'm 13, 14, 15, 16, and I know the answer I'm supposed to give conscience what type of conscience do you have need to be a pure conscience you work with teenagers you realize that that they realize that in order for them to do certain things that they shouldn't be doing they're going to tell you what you want to hear and so that's why i don't trust any teenagers i don't trust any kids i don't trust my own kids <laughs> Why would you? They're, I mean, they're, they're, it, it, foolishness is just bound up in them. They're not trying to do it. It's just who they are. <laughs> sinful little creatures. Look, you love them. You train them. You give them the benefit of the doubt. But look, 
When my, your daughter says, I'm going to go for a ride with a guy named Spike, guess what? No. <laughs> Not happening. Or my older daughter wanted to stay at a, you know, these youth groups. They want to have the boys and girls together, and they come up. Some 21-year-old came up with a bright idea to let's have a sleepover. How about you go home? How about everybody, how about all the kids go home and sleep in their own beds, Pastor? How's that? Oh, Dad, can I can I stay? The boys are going to be in the gym and the girls are going to be over at the church with another. No, you can't. We already talked about this. The youth pastor said he'll talk to you about it. Oh, really? Do you really want to put him on the phone with me now, honey? <laughs> I guess I guess not, Dad. <laughs> I'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> you're not a mean man and you're not a mean woman if you do that. You're a loving, caring parent who cares enough to save their child from something that may or may not happen. But I ain't taking the chance. Because I know some kid that's 21 and wet behind the ears and has ripped jeans, a slick haircut, and a laptop. He ain't fooling me. I don't care how tech savvy he thinks he is. I don't care how much he thinks he can smooth talk the 14 and 15 year olds. Whose idea was it to start that whole idea? That's a dumb idea. We're not doing that here. We're going to get someone that's responsible, that knows what they believe, and isn't going to get into that type of silliness. How do, we, how do we get on that rabbit trail anyway? <laughs> okay, all right. You need, you need to have a pure conscience. <laughs> all right. You know, there is true and false service. Here's a, here's a quote. We're talking about having a pure conscience. Serving who your forefathers did with a pure conscience. And there is true and false service. Fifty years ago, when a poor black man of Jamaica, wishing to go to Africa to tell the glad tidings of salvation, was told that, among other difficulties, he might be a slave again, he replied, if I have been a slave for man, I can be a slave for God. Now that is heart-wrenching. <laughs> A black man who is a slave, who is free from slavery, that's willing to go back and be a slave because he can tell people about God. That's a man who trusts God, not complains about his circumstances. That's a pure conscience. Do you have a desire that God would be pleased by your service for him? You have a desire that God would be glorified in your service for him. Or is it just discontented, disinterested, disconnected? I have to service. It's not what God wants. Then the Bible says that without ceasing. I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Here's a good half a verse to really meditate, memorize, and make as a life verse. Your inner life matters. You want to develop it? Without ceasing, 
pray night and day. But we're Americans. We like to complain night and day. That's what we do. I could have got it on eBay cheaper. <laughs> I could have got it on Amazon cheaper. Uh, I could have. We do that without ceasing. We do that without ceasing. But here's a half a verse. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do this instead? Six times without ceasing is mentioned in the Bible. Six times. All have to do with prayer, except one time in First Thessalonians 2, where it has to do with thanking God. Get First Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, get, get verse 13. Before he gets to 13, it talks about suffered, shamefully entreated, bold in preaching the gospel. They weren't man pleasers. They were gentle. They lived a holy life. They live a just life, unblameable. They exhorted and they comfort the brethren to walk and to live worthy of God. And then, now watch what happens in verse 13. For this cause also. Really? You suffered. For this cause, you were shamefully entreated. For this cause, you were bold in preaching the gospel. For this cause, you weren't pleasing men and you were gentle. For this cause, they lived holy lives and just lives. And for this cause, thank we God without ceasing. <clears throat> we should start with thanking God and then without ceasing, we, we should thank God. It's only mentioned six times. One of is in thanking God because... When ye receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You get somebody that trusts God and trusts his word and get saved, thank him without ceasing night and day. Five times the Bible says without ceasing is connected with prayer. I'll give them to you so you don't forsake a time. You don't have to turn. If you're taking notes, Acts chapter 12, verse number five, the Bible says prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God. Romans 1, 9, without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2 and 3, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Kids, remember this one. Pray without ceasing. Things aren't going right. Pray without ceasing. And lastly, the fifth one, 2 Timothy 1.3, without ceasing, we're right here in this text this morning, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers, night and day. I don't know what to do with my life. Pray. Just start with that and thank God. And then he will show you. But I want to figure it out. 
but I have plans, but I think it should go this way, but I'm not sure how it's going to go. Well, how about you just pray? And how about you just thank God for what you got? And if you just sit tight and you get your heart, you get your conscience pure before God. Maybe he'll just show you something instead of you being the big shot and having to have all the answers or me being the big shot and having to have all the answers. Thank God and pray to him. All right, next verse. Let's get back to First Timothy, or Second Timothy. We're in chapter one. We're at verse number four. Greatly desiring to see thee. Being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. You form a unique bond with those that you serve with. And you do greatly desire to see that. It's not wrong to miss people. It's not, not sinning because you're sad that you're missing someone. You're not sinning and being ungrateful and unthankful because you long to see someone that you haven't because you've served with them. You've witnessed with them. You've spent a lot of time with them. That's the hardest thing for me. For my family, we moved from the church to a very, very active serving every day. Church wasn't once a week or twice a week. It was every day. We were doing something. Whether it was out on the street passing tracks out, whether it was going to an event, whether it was being at the church trying to help out, whether it was preparing a Sunday school lesson, whether it was studying. It was an everyday thing. We did other stuff, but it that's not really it's not really what we desire you know if you know, I have similar situations like people you love serve with kind of stuff but no that's a good that's a good those are good emotions to have you're not a spiritual Christian if you just suppress all that the Bible says greatly desiring to see thee you have a friendship with somebody? Desire to see them. Paul and Timothy were close. Paul could have helped them. That's one of the reasons he probably desired to see him, but he loved them. All right, boys. I know you don't cry. Only, only girls cry, right? Well... That's not what the Bible says. Being mindful of thy tears. I have to preface this by saying uh, this is not a political statement or a political announcement. And by in no way am I endorsing any political candidate. With that said, one thing I have never seen Donald Trump do is cry. I have never seen that man shed a tear. And I don't know if that's good or bad or what, but he is on top of every single th I mean, like he's just, it's almost like he don't have to, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to get emotional. I don't have time to weep over a box of Kleenex. I got stuff to do. Just something interesting that me personally, I've noticed about him. But the Bible says being mindful of thy tears. 
probably tears shed from parting ways. That was tough. If you've ever done that, that's tough. For me, and maybe for you, it's tougher to go back. First time I went to a Bible conference and you see all your old friends and you see your pastor and you there's a lot of stuff going on and you're struggling to just get settled in in a town and all this stuff's going on and it's wow why did we leave this <laughs> tears are shed and your friends see it your pastor see it and you see it your kids see it and it, it's okay it's okay to shed a tear boys you can cry go ahead <laughs> It's hard to leave a close friend. You know how many you know how many moms and dads are really close with their kids and then they become 18 and then they're going to go off to college or they're going to go off to the military or they're going to go get married and it's oh no. It's a tear of joy. And it's not wrong to weep or to shed a tear. The Bible says weep with them that weep. And debt you're a stoic robot that doesn't show any emotion. That's dead religion. That's not spirituality. It's dead religion. Now you don't want to you don't want to run around like an emotional mess. I know people like that. But and I'm sure you do too, right? If you work in a hospital, I'm sure you meet plenty of people that are just ah, it's an everyday. Uh, what does the Bible say next? That I may be filled with joy. Is it a joy to see a good old friend? It should be, especially if you've been a prisoner. You've been forsaken. You're about to die. Somebody shows up to visit you. That's joyful. In a situation like Paul, and if that were to happen, you know you've got a beloved friend. If you're in jail, imagine you're in jail. Somebody shows up to see you. Just by him showing up, you know that he cares. Just by him showing up, you know that he loves you. Things are going great in your life. Everybody wants to be your friend. When you're standing first place on the podium, everybody wants to come and train with you. Everybody wants to come and have teach their school with you assembly. When things are going great in business and you got money, everybody wants to hang out with you. They don't have a problem with you, thank you. Right? We've all been in situations like that. Life is great, you got friends. Well, until you can't win anymore. Or until you get hurt or sick and you can't care for yourself anymore. Or until the money dries up. Or until whatever it is in jail, you end up in jail because you're wrongfully accused and nobody's around. Who was your real friend? Verse 5. 
when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Unfeigned faith. We saw this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, or verse number 5. It's not counterfeit, and it's not hypocritical. It is a real life, sincere faith. And the Bible says it's unfeigned. That's unfeigned faith. Now, watch what it says, though. <clears throat> this is for the ladies. <clears throat> the Bible says, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. That's what the Bible says. No boy turns into a one-man show. That boy is built and molded. And no girl turns into a one-lady show because that little girl is trained and taught and raised up. And if you're a grandmother or you're a mother, be one of grace, be one of mercy, be one of peace. And, and if you're a grandmother or mother, be one that has a pure conscience. Be one that prays night and day without ceasing. Be one that is filled with joy. Be one who shows up. Don't miss out on stuff. It's the greatly desiring to see them. Why? Because you desire to see them. We all need breaks. We do. Sometimes it's good for husbands and wives to get away. Sometimes it's good to send the kids and get them away and get them out playing or getting them. Right? We all need, we all need some space. We all need a break. But you're not doing any child any good if there isn't some greatly desiring to see them. If there isn't some joy to see them. That's what God wants. That's the type of mother you should be. You should be the type of grandmother and mother that has unfeigned faith. It should be real. It should be sincere. It should be honest. None of this fake stuff. Live a holy life. We need some grandmothers that are holy. We need some mothers that are holy, that are getting their guidance in the way that they live and the way that they talk and the way that they dress and the way that they act. They get from the Holy Bible. They don't get it from the radio or the secular TV or the Hollywood or all these. They get it from the Bible and they're just and they want to live unblameable lives and they love God. And they thank God without ceasing. That's the type of mothers we need. That's the type of grandmothers we need. We need to build a church around those types of principles. And look, it finishes off, and this is it. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Timothy's grandmother and mother were believers. How is he going to be persuaded? He has people. He had people around him that cared for him. And that taught him God's word. Well, what about somebody that doesn't have a mother or father? Well, if they get saved, they'll have a heavenly mother and father. And if they don't. You know, when you travel, 
you know, travel this weekend, this past weekend, got back last night, and um, you see the different news and the different ad advertisements in, in, the, in the airport, and one was a military family, and it's a mother of seven kids. Father died in the military, serving the country. And I'm disconnected from that because I'm not a military, I'm not in the military. Um, what's that mom going to do? She's got six or seven kids she's got to raise. And every day at five o'clock, she's looking forward to when dad comes home <laughs> so she can go run out in traffic, right? <laughs> so she can get a break. Amen. And five o'clock comes along and he's not coming home. And that's people's life. We need grandmothers and mothers that can raise their kids for God and can thank God no matter the circumstance. And so you see that kind of stuff. And, and then you see, uh, nobody likes, by the way, going into Atlanta for a connection. It's it's horrible, horrible. And uh, as thankful as you try to be, you're on the back of the plane because you, you, when you use your points to get a flight, they give you these points. Well, they don't really give you a good seat when you use your points. They want to give the good seats to the people that pay. You're all the way in the back of the plane. And you fly into Atlanta and you have a connecting flight. And praise God that there's a guy right across the row from you in seat 30. There's only 35 rows in the plane. Let's go, people, move it. I got a plane to catch. And you just can't help but think. You know, if I would have done that, my wife would have not gone for it. <laughs> so the guy's wife says, honey, relax. I'm not going to relax. They all need to know they got to start moving because we got eight minutes to get to the gate. Move it, people. And I'm sitting there like, yes. I didn't pray. I didn't pray. I didn't need to pray because this guy was rallying it up. Imagine. And it's not like it's all 20-year-old guys that could care less. <laughs> There's like old ladies. There's families with little ones. There's Hispanic people that are like, do they really not like me? <laughs> I mean, it's just beautiful. Beautiful. And then you get off the plane. <laughs> and you, you, you come up the line, you get out to the airport, and it's just the plane. There's a stupid line. You're not there. Should I stop and use the bathroom? Because I got to go really bad. But if I go, I don't want to miss boarding his clothes. I got there. And praise God. I started that with a point, but I don't even know what the point is now. Thank God. It's just thank God. And we need, we need, if a boy's going to be persuaded or a girl's going to be persuaded, they need those to persuade them. Why, mother or grandmother, should you persuade your 
children or grandchildren? Why is that guy on the plane trying to persuade everybody, hey, step it up and go? There's a sense of urgency. He wants off the plane because he knows where he is going. And he is persuading everybody to, let's go, come on, round it up. Let's go, 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 go. And no one's going to talk him out of persuading all those strangers. He's not embarrassed. He doesn't care what other people say. He don't even care what his wife says. He told her off because he's got, he's got a mission and he's persuading everybody. That's why. If you want the kids to go somewhere, you got to persuade them. Why? One, because it's the right thing to do and just love God because he's right. And number two, you never know if you got a Timothy on your hand or you got a Paul on your hand. You just never know. And if you're here and you've not trusted Christ, I want to persuade you to trust the Savior. He's the only one that can give you eternal life. The two saddest words in Scripture, Acts 26, King Agrippa. Paul says, look, man, you should know this stuff. King Agrippa says, thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. He was almost persuaded, but lost. Listen to your mother. Listen to your grandmother. Listen to your preacher. The best decision you can make is to trust Christ. Someone's going to have to preach to you. Someone's going to persuade you. That's the best decision you can ever make. All right, will you bow with me, please? Thank you, Father God, for your word. Excited to be in 2 Timothy. Help us to go verse by verse, learn a little here, learn a little there. Thank you, Lord. We have the privilege to meet. It's an honor to be able to teach your word. Help us to be able to apply these things in a practical way as we leave today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.